While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. I'm often surprised by the specialization of food publication. Uh, Laura was given uh, a magazine by a coworker that's just a bacon magazine. Just all about well, bacon. Yeah, that's the internet's fault, though. The internet has baconized everything. Uh, it's fetishized bacon. Yes. Fifty shades of bacon. <laughs> Fifty sides of bacon. 50. <laughs> Remember that time I made bacon? I failed. At your apartment oh yeah because because okay here's here's a fun craig cooking story yeah. i think he's progressed beyond this point yes i have but uh this was not not too long after college he so i'm was... gonna say this is maybe three or four years ago four years ago yeah and okay. you were still living with your mom yep and not cooking all that often now you're at our house and you're gonna make some bacon and you're like, why isn't this bacon cooking? And it was because you weren't flipping it. You were just trying to cook it all the way through from the one side. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Man, and I like how you're trying to... I am eager to not talk about bacon anymore. Just trying to cover up your... What? I don't need your failings. Yeah. To be honest, I still do the thing where I make food and then wonder if I'm doing it right the whole time. That's just... That's just who I am. And if you can eat it and not get sick, you've done an okay job. Yeah. Everything else is just gravy. What? Especially gravy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so as we mentioned at the end of, of last week's show, this week we're going to try something a little bit different. Normally we are reading um, fiction for this podcast, whether it's like a short story or a novel or a uh, play. Uh, this this week, Craig has is going to try something a little different, and I we don't know how it's going to go because not only is it not fiction, but it's also about a subject that I'm kind of apathetic about. So take it away, <laughs> Craig. Well, Andrew, baseball season is fast approaching. There are men in Arizona. Yes. How many miles per hour is it approaching at? How many miles per hour would it take to get to the beginning of April? D- if a, if a fastball 86. leaves Albuquerque going 78 miles per hour, when is opening day? <laughs> so I, have no, I don't understand the question. Me so. neither. So baseball season is fast approaching like a fastball, like Andrew said. And <laughs> I have been reading this book called uh, Extra Innings, More Baseball Between the Numbers, which is by the team at Baseball Prospectus, which is... Uh, a website it started as uh, an industry kind of magazine and then launched as a website launched in 1996 and like all magazines it is now a website <laughs> well one of the one of my favorite stories about the founding of baseball prospectus is when they started it in 96 it was a statistics guidebook right they were doing projections they were doing statistic roundups from the year prior they printed 300 copies they sold 170 of them, and they completely left out the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Intentionally or no? Well, well, because they like printed them on a photocopier because they were just like, guys, let's put this book together. Let's see who buys it, and then they forgot an entire team, uh, which is pretty authoritative. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and so they have kind of led the charge. Well, not wholly led the charge, but they have inherited a lot of the um, work of. Saber metrics, which is statistical analysis of baseball. Okay, and I'm gonna lay on you what I know about saber metrics. I'll lay it I on me, Andrew. Basically, the only time this whole show that I'm gonna be able to talk and not like make a baseball pun. Okay, cool. So, uh, saber metrics is was I think popularized to to a large extent by um, by Billy Bean who managed the Oakland Athletics, um, what was it, like the late 90s, early 2000s? Was that the time period we're looking at? Yes. Well, he was a general manager, um, a young general manager, who helped popularize it because it it proved successful. Yeah, um, right. Sabermetrics kind of owes its roots to a guy named Bill James, who is a renowned kind of baseball statistician who started mm-hmm. working, I think, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, but the but the deal with it is, um, in baseball, not all the teams have the same amount of money. So when you see people hating on the New York Yankees, it's because there is a perception that they buy their way to victory, just by virtue of having so much more money than any other team in the entire league. Is that is that correct? Which they do. Uh, baseball okay. does not have a salary cap. Uh, football and basketball do, and I think hockey does as well. Uh, so baseball, you can spend whatever you want if you're the owner of a team. Um, a couple of years ago, the major leagues, uh, I don't remember when they instituted it, there's a luxury tax. So if you like, if you want to spend all the money in the world, you have to pay the rest of baseball like a certain amount. You have to put $75 in the middle of the board. Basically, that's kind of how it works. And just hope that, and the other teams have to hope they land on free parking. <laughs> yes, that's basically how it works. Um, so yeah, so so the Oakland Athletics were this struggling team and they didn't have the money to buy a lot of good players and they were just losing all these games. And so he comes in and he starts paying attention to the statistics and like... <laughs> And well, I mean, that's that's I'm I'm I don't have like an insider's understanding of how this thing works, but he's like he'll he'll buy these players who are really terrible in a lot of ways, but they have like one really good thing about them. Okay. And so what what Bean would do is he would he would realize like what particular statistics were good in what particular circumstances, and he would basically play the numbers to win baseball games even though you know he didn't have any any big star players on on his team is that is that that is the essence of moneyball right and and moneyball is what i read um there was a movie with brad pitt i think yep. in 2011 i read the book not long after that movie came out i never actually saw the movie it's not bad it's a but, little um, it's a little uh I don't care for how the baseball scenes are done because it mixes real footage with, uh, like, kind of staged footage. Sure, it sure. feels really weird. Um, and there's lots of scenes of Brad Pitt just like driving or hanging out with big landscapes behind him, and that's kind of weird. But overall, it's <laughs> well, it's a decent film. Well, because I I don't even know why I read Moneyball because I don't. 
I don't know why big, you read that. I'm not big into sports. I find baseball to be one of the more boring ones. But this, you know, Moneyball is just as much about being and about like yeah, corruption and like how the how the league works as it is about like actual baseball games being played. Yes. And so there was a narrative to it that I thought was really interesting and I thought that the way that Bean was gaming the numbers was was kind of interesting. And I think, you know, since this book came out in 2003, it's become more of a more of a thing and I I don't know. So the the thing to delineate between something like Moneyball and this book um Extra Innings is that Sabermetrics the field of sabermetrics is the search quoting from uh, Bill James is the search for objective knowledge about baseball. So you have people crunching the years worth of data that you can accumulate based on a single game of baseball and trying to predict outcomes or compare players from different eras. Uh, And then when it becomes, when it goes into Moneyball territory is when people are crunching formulas to determine like, how valuable players should be mm-hmm. uh, based on their skill set. Um, that's kind of it's it's one of the reasons I thought it might be interesting to talk about on the show is that this like Nate Silver of Five Thirty Eight and you know the twenty twelve presidential race. Uh, <laughs> he used to write for Baseball Prospectus, and he is like big data and the whether or not people prefer their gut or their brain or numbers or you know the stars whatever they want to use to divine what's going to happen next um that is kind of part of the tension in this not in this book in specifics uh but part of the larger kind of meta conversation within baseball well because yeah i think there's a debate that you know paying attention to all these statistics and trying to find the quote-unquote truth or like the quote-unquote best way to to do something is taking the fun of the game out of it or something yes so even though like of course these these people are going to be doing anything they can to win baseball games because that dictates a whole lot of stuff about what money they get and what talent they can attract in the first place yes um so there's like the idea that sabermetrics removes the human element of the game is like the big knock against it because like one of the big debates and it's in this book as well is like who who should get into the hall of fame and what was this guy good enough to get into the hall of fame Mm -hmm. and then some reporters are like well he was a real good guy and he was pretty good at hitting and remember that time he hit that ball (laughs) real far and he was real nice to me so i'm gonna vote him in and then People get really mad that all the sabermetric nerds crunch the numbers and decide that he's not good enough. And that's, you can tell by the kind of spin I'm putting on these quotes that I think it's garbage. <laughs> and that. You think sabermetrics is garbage? No, no, think I think the, 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 the arguments against it. Most of the arguments against it are uh, bad. Well, I think Nate Silver is an interesting yes. example to bring up because there were a lot of people. You know, he he was saying pretty consistently through 2012, you know, there are a lot of signs that Obama's going to take this. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, there were tons and tons of people on the right trying to discredit him and saying, you know, oh, I have a feeling or or whatever that this is wrong. And then 
he correctly predicted was it every single state or was it every state but one it was almost every single state and it might have come down to like counties in the 50th state yeah like it was ridiculously close yeah like he he's and and he's um he was with the new york times for a long time and then more recently he's been broken off to do his own thing which i think actually is supposed to start um either in this month or in may it's one of the m months he just announced it like yesterday yeah he partnered with espn because he originally used to to do he was doing writing for espn briefly and then went to new york times and then like another uh sports writer bill simmons he's been given his own website that is owned by espn yeah that's really it's a weird not weird i guess but it's it's the latest trend among journalists with some name recognition is to like go off and get funding for your own thing yeah because your personal brand is so great that yeah that you can attract talent and stuff just by being who you are i don't know i don't know how i feel about it and <laughs> i think that a lot of this venture back journalism stuff is a bubble that cannot last forever but uh we'll see what happens well it's it's purely talent based right so it's as long as there's demand for those people but there can't possibly be demand for all of the people. Well, I mean, the thing about venture-backed stuff is eventually these people are going to want a return on their investment. Yeah, and there fair. is where the model falls apart. Is like when the infinite money cheat gets turned off and you have to actually run a business. That's my favorite cheat. Yeah. Do you want to talk about baseball? You've been avoiding talking about baseball. <laughs> I'm just trying to stick to what I know. So th- what's this book? What's the deal with this okay, book? Okay, here's like, what this book you, is. What were you going to talk about? I got this book because I like baseball, and it was given to me as a gift. <laughs> okay. And it is a series of, quote, long-form articles. To use another favorite of your buzzwords. Um, it is a series of articles that were written. I don't know if they were written for this book specifically or if they're kind of collected from Baseball Prospectus um, in after the 2011 season. So it's kind of a snapshot of where baseball is at this time. Uh, and it tackles... So was this book published recently or was it published back in 2011? I think it was published in 2012. Okay. Um, so it is interesting that it some of it's making me feel old, actually, because they're talking about like players that are pretty big right now that were drafted seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. God, I, I've been following this for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially as someone who plays fantasy baseball. And so I have kind of just a slightly wider knowledge of who players are throughout the league than if i just followed my home team mm-hmm. um so it, it's just interesting to kind of hear names come up and be like oh yeah i remember oh god that was like almost five years ago oh, no. <laughs> um, so the overall the overview of the book is that it starts with like a really good reminder of the types of stats that saber matricians uh like to follow we should break we should break open the word saber matrician real quick it's the it's the worst way to form a word, I think. It's it, a bad, yeah. It's it stands for Saber comes from Society for American Baseball Research, and then they just tacked the word metrics onto it. Saber metrics. There okay. you go. Doesn't mean it sounds anything. like how long are these swords? <laughs> <laughs> it is sword analysis is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, so the book opens with a chapter kind of reminding you of these advanced statistics. Andrew, what do you think is the most important stat in baseball? Th- throwing. Yeah, that's a good stat. Do you know any baseball stats? 
batting were, average. Okay, that's one. Here's right. here's a hint. Base, batting average is garbage. Batting average, according to okay. the advanced stats, batting average is garbage. Okay. Are there any other stats that you know about? R- running. <laughs> Runs are pretty important because that's how you okay. score points. Good. Right? Thanks for thanks for making that connection there. Any anything else? Like outs, outs, yeah, because you t- you can you can quantify how many outs a player makes. Like if if by hitting poorly or running poorly, you know, you can quantify that. Anything else? Do they do they measure like your singles and your doubles and your trebles? My trebles, Triples? yeah, yeah, and my bases, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they measure your bases. Yeah, they talk. There's something called slugging percentage. Which is if you if you hit the ball, which is how often people get into fights. Well, we'll, well there's a good fight story I want to talk about later. Okay. Um, I'm totally not lying. Um, <laughs> their slugging is like you hit the ball, and how many bases do you get to run based on how hard you hit it on average? Okay, right. And sure. the big thing behind sabermetrics that this book kind of the first chapter lays out is most of your daddy's baseball stats are dumb. They're too context dependent, and the main goal of all of these researchers is to objectively quantify a player's skills. So something like a run batted in, which is if I was on first base, Andrew, and mm-hmm. you hit a ball far enough that I got to score, mm-hmm. you would get a run batted in. That's really dumb, though, because like, what if the bases were loaded every time one guy did it, but they weren't? That's Whenever why another guy did. That's it. why on the Phillies there's a man named Ryan Howard, and he got a really big contract, even though he's not good anymore. And he got his big contract <laughs> based on how many RBIs he had. Wait, so okay, so Moneyball comes out, Sabermetrics is this big thing. Yes, it's something that's an established success. Yes, but is it something that still not everybody does? Correct. Really? Yes, because man, most like of the that, people in the charge. Bigger... Most of the people in charge of baseball have been in charge of baseball since before the internet. This and is so, like, these yeah. people are like the anti-vaxxers of baseball. <laughs> like <laughs> The Phillies made a big stink this offseason. They hired a statistics guy. They're like, guys, we, we've been hearing you. We hired a statistics guy. And there's a big that trend like dumb. in other sports too where the coaches, because their job is to like make sure that uh, athletes in, in all sports are kind of following the mechanics and, and making that they're doing things accurately and, and repeatably. They only use statistics when it kind of supports the things that they already care about. <laughs> they don't like statistics that tell them they're wrong. And that's like the big scene in Moneyball, um, in the movie anyway, when there's like a bunch of old guys and like, he plays the game the right way. He's a good, he's got grit. And they're like, that does not, that's not a thing. <laughs> That's Can you measure thing. grit? Is that a no? One of the one of the other myths is there's no such thing as clutch hitting. That's all. I don't even know what that is. So it's good that there's no such thing as it. The idea that players perform differently in high leverage situations. So like if there's a g- bunch of guys on base, do you hit better if the game is on the line? They're they're they can't measure that, or at least that's what Baseball Prospectus has said. Okay. Um, one of the more interesting things that this book takes on in specific articles is stuff like steroids. What do you know about steroids in baseball, Andrew? Everybody who plays baseball is on steroids. <laughs> Basically. Not anymore. That's what, I, that's what I know about them. Not anymore. There's, there's a, the Players Association uh, agreed to a more strict drug test a couple years ago. 
Um, but from it could the, hardly be less strict than it was before, right? Like, yes, that is correct. <laughs> you get people like, okay, and I'm gonna. This is like the most up to date baseball information that I have. You got uh-huh. people like Mark McGuire. <laughs> yep, he's a hitting coach now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I looked him up on the Wikipedia. Good job. Um, and he looks like like a Looney Tunes character. Like yes. he looks like a cartoon strongman. Yes, correct. You can't tell me that there's a way. That that happens naturally, like he's on the juice. There's a yeah. There's a whole chapter about what baseball journalists knew and what they might have been looking like, whether or not they should be at least like morally implicated in kind of getting real excited about home runs. Basically, mm-hmm. um, what was what I found really fascinating, you know, outside of some of the historical context stuff, that is really really good if if you don't know how that all shook out is they cite studies where people were measuring the average increase in muscle mass when people took anabolic steroids right Mm -hmm. and then they crunched the numbers to how much extra force that might allow someone to exert on a given object and then they crunched the numbers to say oh that would mean that there's probably 30 percent more home runs based on how far balls would travel in the air right Okay. That is the exact percentage increase in home runs after 1993 to like 1998. <laughs> Oops. Now, I can see why people would think that these statistics made baseball boring. Fair, because they make it into math homework. Yeah, but and they're not asking you to homework. do it. They're not asking you to do it. They're the just homework. asking you to pay attention to it, which I I guess I understand. I don't know. What what for me it, it does is it, it helps me identify who are really exciting players to watch. And it also helps me identify like when something freak is happening. Right. Like sure. if something is supposed to happen and something else happens, like that's really exciting. Um, what they do a really good job with with the steroid stuff in this book is kind of identify other factors that might have led to all of the crazy home runs. Because in the 90s two other teams were added so you have like a diffusion of talent where more hitters are getting in and probably less skilled pitchers are getting in because they need Mm -hmm. more of them Mm -hmm. um you also have a bunch of ballparks that get built that are really small uh there they start talking about how the strike zone was expanded which favored hitters as well so there's also like in 2005 it was really windy so well yeah basically (laughs) balls just got carried over the fence more often (laughs) Uh, the part that got really weird is after that chapter, they do a chapter about like, what will baseball players do next to get better? And I kind of want to find, I can't even, I want to find the passage about it. They talk about like human growth hormone, which is a whole nother thing. Um, mostly that just prevents you from getting fatigued the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, they also talk about gene doping. Do you know about gene doping, Andrew? I do not, but I assume it has to do. I assume you're just doing shots of stem cells or something. Well, that's a whole nother thing: is stem cell therapy that people oh, have gotten that's... in trouble for already, or at least been suspect of, right? I was just making stuff up. No. I didn't think I would actually name a baseball problem. <laughs> wait, wait till you hear this one. All right, nanotechnology. All right, there's one guy, robots. Well, the one guy's like, what, what, there's already nanotechnology in, in some college league bats, 
that like composite fibers and stuff. But then he says the word nano whiskers, Andrew. What do you think nano whiskers are? Really teeny tiny little whiskers. Yes, that pitchers could wear on their hands to affect the way the ball travels. What? Yeah, and you couldn't detect them because they're so, so small. Is baseball without the with the stuff still baseball? Like surely, I don't know. Glove and bat technology has changed since since like a hundred years ago. That is true. I think what this book does a really good job of is kind of outlining some of those changes, some of the actual. Like how 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 big of a change can you make and still have the game be the game? Yes, I mean I guess as long as everybody's doing it, like maybe that's why steroids aren't a big deal because everybody's doing them. And that's the big argument. As long for, as everybody's like on even ground, then that's the big I argument guess, for cares? for why um, steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame. Like there's a big debate among baseball writers about who should get to be in the hall of fame because they're the ones who vote mm-hmm. and right as of now no confirmed or highly suspected steroid user has been admitted to the hall of fame um, okay and there's a growing trend among younger baseball writers that's like no put him in i mean put a plaque there that says he might have cheated or whatever you need to do but they're like the the all-time home run leader is barry bonds and he is highly suspected of steroid use but the problem okay. is, is he was one of the best players in baseball before they started thinking he was doing steroids. Okay. So it's just kind of like you you can't just cut out parts of baseball history. Just like Photoshop the picture of them so that their bat says roids yeah. on it with a question mark. <laughs> um, one of the others, I just, <laughs> I really liked the nanotechnology part because it reminded me of a Nintendo game called Base Wars, which I really liked. Which is robots playing baseball? All right, and yeah, it, that's next for baseball. Is that human players are retired and and robot players take their well? Place. According to the Base Wars Wikipedia page, it is set in the 24th century, where baseball team owners have grown tired of paying outrageous player salaries, so they replace their rosters with robots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll keep moving Man. through this book. Okay, there's another really interesting chapter. Um, about player development because a lot of the newer baseball players are coming from Latin America. And there's a whole chapter called From Bos- from the Boscone to the Big Leagues. And Boscones are these guys in Latin American countries who kind of serve as middlemen between baseball organizations and young athletes. And uh, it kind of charts the hypothetical career of a, of a fake player. Um, okay. To kind of highlight some of the issues that young players are going through, and they're signing these kids out of out of the Dominican or, or Venezuela or whatever who are like sixteen, mm-hmm. and then they ask them to come to another country and learn a game that they might not know, but they're really good athletes, so they'll be good at it, and then force them to assimilate into a whole other culture on the prospect of earning money if they do well and don't get hurt. Was there a movie about this uh, recently? Yeah, called kind of. What was it called? Sugar. I have no idea. But there, there might be a documentary that was more recent. But I saw a movie a couple years ago. I think it was called Sugar. That was about the same thing. It was a it was a younger kid uh, who gets picked up and comes to America. I'm trying to remember who was in this more recent movie. Like if it was like Vince Vaughn or somebody. It was some schlubby guy. Like brings kids into the country and tries to teach them to be good at soccer or something. Oh yeah, that was a movie recently. 
that might have been Vince Vaughn or, or Luke Wilson or something. Yeah, I just don't. One of the I, wedding crashers was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some of the issues that the the chapter kind of highlights are what type of kids will succeed. Like they look for kids with stable home lives so that they are not uh, undisciplined or not reckless with money, which is like a lot to ask for a 16 year old from another country. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you're, you're paying these kids like a million dollars on the idea that maybe 10 years from now they'll earn you more millions of dollars. Um, it's, and there's a, like a really interesting analogy where it's, uh, an American kid in high school might get like an an allowance. I don't know if kids still get allowances anymore. Um, of like fifteen dollars or something a week, and then they go to the mall and they're like, "Oh God, I can buy stuff." But what about if you give a seventeen-year-old kid from another country like a million dollars and then say, "Here's America"? The idea that they might get a little confused or go a little crazy is totally understandable. Sure, yeah. Um, and whether or not we hold them up to higher standards is, is kind of unfair because um, it doesn't really uh, account for what how the system might be failing these younger athletes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, there's a whole chapter about whether or not we can quantify managers and, and people in charge of baseball teams and how successful they are. Uh, can we? We can't really measure the good things that they do because they the managers like on the field of play do very little. It's not like football coaches, okay? Because when you see football coaches today, they're they look like freaking generals, <laughs> you know, and they're always holding things in front of their face and yelling into always the like headsets, chewing and yelling into their headsets. Yeah, um, and hockey and basketball coaches wear suits, so they're all classy. They look they look cool. Well, baseball managers are just fat guys who sit in windowless offices, right? Like, that's not a stereotype. No, they sit in, some of them are fat, and some of them aren't, and they sit in the dugout, and they wear a uniform. It's one of the few sports where the manager wears the uniform, which Hmm. I think is fun. Um, But during a game, they can't really do much. Most of what they're in charge of is like, what hitter am I going to use now, or should I take the pitcher out? Like, it's pretty simple. Uh, And telling people that there's, you know, what? emotions there are and aren't in baseball like crying whether or not you're allowed to cry yes um most of them yeah if you're just going tom hanks on this one then yeah there's most of what you do is sleep and chew tobacco he is most of what i know about baseball managers (laughs) is tom hanks you know leave their own Uh, what they have found statistically is that you can quantify two for two podcasts bringing up tom hanks we'll we'll keep the streak going next week i'm sure um (laughs) What they have found is that most of what they can quantify is when managers are really bad. <laughs> like they okay. actually can't prove if a manager is helping his team, but they can certainly prove when a manager is hurting his team. All right. Mostly, what, is, what are the kind of things that a manager can do to hurt his team? They can uh, call plays like certain stolen bases or bunting or things. Like, apparently, according to this uh, general school of thought, Stolen bases and bunting are really bad because they they're too risky. The, okay. The true outcomes in baseball, like single low risk outcomes, are strikeouts, home runs, and walks because only two people are involved in any of those things, just the pitcher and the hitter. <laughs> but anything else is like crazy risky. Why would you ever do that? Basically, because it's more fun that way, right? It is. It is more fun that way. It's uh, more interesting that way. If 
things if people can be like loose cannons but get results. Yeah, that's true. But managers usually the the worst managers make those calls at all the wrong times or they okay. use they overuse relievers or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um trying to think if there's anything else about that. No. Nothing else nothing else about managers. Um <laughs> there's a whole chapter about sorry. There's a whole chapter about um pitching injuries and the physics of what it is to throw a baseball uh that is kind of scary and kind of nuts because so, okay we're hurt. into statistics we're into physics so like what other homework can this book give me to take <laughs> to take home from here well hold on a second andrew so if you how hard do you think you could throw something like what is what's my unit of measurement like pretty Miles hard per hour pretty pretty hard Okay, sort of F- hard. 60. 60 hard. 60 miles per hour. 60 miles per hard. Yes. Yes, 60 MPH. Um, to get So, like, part of the reason that pitchers get injured all the time is not just from, like, how hard they're throwing, like, in the release of the ball, but it's actually how their arm has to decelerate, which is, like, a thing I never thought about. Uh, and this book breaks it down pretty well. To get some idea of the velocity attained by professional pitchers, swing your arm in a circle, in a full circle, 20 times as fast as you can. If you could do that in one second, that's pretty much the angular velocity of a major league pitcher throwing yeah, a baseball. that sounds gross. Uh, and one of the reasons that they get hurt a lot is because their arm has to decelerate after that process. And there's about a thousand pounds of force pulling your arm away from your body, Andrew. Mm. <laughs> that's terrible (laughs) yeah that's wow that's a lot of pressure i hate that so much Uh, i always knew that baseball was a high pressure game oh my god you're the worst didn't know it was like that you're the pits um so real quick i'm gonna tell you two stories okay and then i'm gonna uh, then you're gonna open the floor to questions before you give me the reading assignment for next week yes that is correct so in 1957 i was reading this book and it just kind of casually mentioned the copacabana incident which I mean, okay is a great name for an incident sure and it w- it happened at the copacabana nightclub in new york city it was, it was this was in the chapter about managers apparently mickey mantle uh yogi berra a couple other yankees and uh for future Yankees manager Billy Martin were at the club and Sammy Davis Jr. was singing and some drunk bowlers started hurling racial epithets at him. So okay. all the Yankees decided to get in a brawl with them, which eventually lead, led to Billy Martin getting traded because they blamed him for all the clubbing. Mm-hmm. But I really liked Mickey Mantle's uh, quote from the grand jury testimony about it, which was... Uh, the juror asked, did you see a gentleman lying unconscious on the floor near the Copa entrance? Yes, I did, Manel answered. Do you have an opinion on how this could have happened? And Manel thought about the question and with a serious look on his face said, I think Roy Rogers rode through the Copa and Trigger kicked the man in the head. And the grand jury broke out laughing and then tossed out the case an hour later. Which <laughs> <laughs> I think is awesome. That's, that's a good one to keep in your back pocket. It's just like, you just got to Make them laugh. Make them laugh. Just go out on a laugh and you'll get the whole thing thrown out. And then the other thing that I want to talk about is in 2011, 
there was a really great run by a player named Jose Batista in Toronto. And he had been pretty bad for most of his career and then all of a sudden got really good. And so people are like, oh, is it steroids? What is going on? Did he really just change his hitting style and get really better? And then this whole story came out that people in the visiting bullpen and in the right field stands had noticed a man in a white suit standing in the stands, raising his arms randomly during the game. Okay. And they slowly cracked whatever code might have been happening where he was like raising his arms for pitches that were not fastballs. Mm-hmm. And people have surmised that perhaps the Toronto Blue Jays were were stealing signs, <laughs> which is like a whole big part of baseball. Stealing signs or knowing stealing signs, stealing signs. Well, having signs, of course. And then whether or not you can steal signs is like a whole other part. So if, okay. if you get on second base, Andrew, the catcher is going to change all of his signs mm-hmm. so that you can't like wink at me to let me know that it, it's a curveball. Okay. Uh, but apparently the Blue Jays might have uh, kind of cracked some some other team's signs and then had a... I just like the idea that there's a dude in a white suit. It's a guy. Like, <laughs> I guess it has to be white so you can see him. Yes. Right? Yes, that's that's the idea. What was it like? What would it be like to sit next to that guy? Well, apparently... <laughs> well, apparently... Who's this guy standing? What is his problem? Apparently, when Jose Bautista used to go out to the outfield, all sorts of fans and visiting pitchers would yell at him because they uh, they they were... They had figured it out, and they were like, oh, it's so easy to hit home runs when you could steal the signs. Bah. Like, it's, I like That's heckling. what you get for cheating. Yeah, I guess. You put him in the Hall of Fame and just put white suit on his bat. That would work. <laughs> like the putting stuff, putting stuff on people's bats. Or no, for him, you would have to have, like the background of the picture would have to be the stands. And you'd have to be able to make out a small white suited figure like standing up and making a sign with his arms. And that's how people would know that he was a big dirty cheater. I like that. I don't think yeah. he's a big dirty cheater, but did okay, is Derek Jeter a cheater? Because Derek Cheater would be a really good name. He's, so is this in that book? He is in the book, but not because he's a cheater. He's okay. in the book because he's a real bad shortstop. <laughs> Okay. And despite being one of the most famous shortstops and winning a bunch of awards for being a good one, all of the stats say that he's real bad. <laughs> uh, so he's perennially touted in the sabermetric community as an example of uh, like false positive kind of stats or sure. bad eye test. Because the problem is when you watch Derek Jeter make a play that's exciting, he looks real cool. Like he jumps up in the air and spins around and... And like throws it while he's jumping. But the problem is, if he was good at shortstop, he wouldn't have to do that. He'd just be <laughs> there. And so he kind of passes the eye test, is kind of what they call it. And, okay. and because he's really good at hitting, uh, people pay more attention to him. And then uh, then they're like, they go through the video and they're like, oh, he made all these great plays. Let's give him an award. And everyone's like, we crunched the numbers. He's real bad. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's that's probably the most interesting conflict here is is doing it doing it right versus doing it the fun way. Like, yes. and, and 
I think there's that tension in a lot of different areas of life. So mm-hmm. said, we mentioned anti-vax people before. We mentioned. I don't know that there's anything fun um, about anti-vax. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're fun, but it's just like there, there are these people who, for whatever reason, are ignoring the body of facts and like doing whatever they want anyway. And it just seems so. It seems so. Like if you look at human progress over like the last 200 years or something, it's all about finding out what we were doing wrong that was stupid and then fixing it. Yes. And it's just it's mind blowing to me that that we can know things and we can be certain about them. And that there are people who will say, well, eh, I don't think you're right because it doesn't feel right to me. Well, eh, well, and I, I think don't know. What the, what, I don't think that's right. Okay, Louis Anderson, calm you down. Egghead. <laughs> what, what this kind of comes out from in this field specifically is that there are a lot of people with a lot of money on the line, and they're afraid of being wrong, right? Sure. And that seems to be the tension, is that there is this huge mountain of data that we've never had before. And this is, to your point, like thematically, this exists in multiple fields. We have all sorts of data and there are so many nerds willing to comb through it and tell us about it. So many wonks, right? Wonks, yeah. <laughs> and if only we would just listen to the wonks, that would be fine. And I understand that the, the criticism there is like, well, are they actually making an emotionally intelligent decision? Are they thinking about the people involved? Or are they just looking at numbers? Because um, like... You can look at all these baseball stats, but you there's nothing in this on the baseball card about whether or not that guy like got married that year or mm-hmm. had a relative pass away or in that whole chapter about the Dominican like the the hypothetical uh Dominican player, there's a whole like year of his career that he has like arm fatigue, he has like an injury that they can't diagnose, which he later admits is like kind of just homesickness, you know. Um, And so the idea that that is the one kind of argument against wholly statistical analysis of something that I understand. It's it's possible to it's impossible to account for everything through statistics, but it just it doesn't make sense to me that these people who do have a lot of money on the line would not want to be doing everything they could possibly be doing to be right. Like yes. as much as they possibly can. I just I don't I don't understand that. No, that's and the the book kind of engages with that tension a little bit, but it assumes that you are on their side. <laughs> yeah, no, I th- I think if if you're reading something from the baseball prospectus, people like they assume that they're preaching to the choir. Yes, and the what I will say, the book is pretty good about admitting their uh, limitations, right? Part of the part of the data that they have is uh, held by certain corporations. You know, they talk about certain line drive or like where the ball went on any given play. That data is largely uh, constructed by people sitting in rooms at a stadium logging every pitch because that sounds like your favorite job, Andrew. Yeah, um, no, that'd be great. And they would they write it down, and then it all goes into a computer. But the problem is, is if those rooms are at different heights, it affects like their statistical variance based on like just human perception. Sure. Um, so the book actually does a really good job of kind of identifying problems with methods, 
And that's their best counter argument to like, this is destroying the sport. You don't understand. There's humans here. Yeah. And I can see why people who don't want to believe in that stuff would take it and like grab onto it and be like, well, it's not foolproof. So I'm going to use this small way in which it can be wrong to inform my belief that it's all terrible and nobody should listen to it. Yes. 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 Um, And there's there's like a whole big thing right now where they're, adding extra cameras and, and replay to baseball and all the umps are like, Oh no, what are we going to do? We're not perfect. Like we basically yell at umps all the time. There was a perfect game that got ruined a couple years ago. Cause an ump blew a call. Right. Cause whenever, whenever your team is doing badly, it's always some other external factor. Yep. Usually <laughs> that's making it happen. It's not, it's not your precious team. No, it's not my precious team. Even though they're a bunch of idiots, they give money to Ryan <laughs> Howard for six years. Jeez. <laughs> Um, so, okay. What did I, you want to ask me anything else about this book? I feel like I talked for a long time cause you don't like it's, baseball. No, I don't have anything else. Just like it's, why don't you like baseball? Tell me. I don't know. I just, it's, it feels like not a lot happens in the course of a game and maybe like I can get into football. Like I'm not into it as a matter of course, but if I was going to pick a sport to get into, I think it would be football. And I think it is the like like you mentioned like there are not a lot of calls you can make in a baseball game to like change the flow of events Mm -hmm. where i think football is maybe a little more dynamic and um i don't know maybe maybe it's just that i understand how football works a little bit more but it seems like it's split up into more like it's split up, split up into multiple more attainable small goals. Like you know, move the ball forward, get more downs. You know, keep doing that. I gotta get on get base, touchdown. and then I gotta, I gotta convince the pitcher not to throw over, so I can get a good lead. See, I just and then don't, I gotta, I, I gotta I wear the pitcher re- down by fouling off the balls, and then I can't read that. Like where where does the teleprompter put the little yellow line so that I know oh. like what has to happen next in baseball? <laughs> Uh, there's sort of that though. There's there's some of that nonsense is in there, but I'm I, just I I'm understand. just I'm just saying I think that I think that football is like a more dynamic and interesting to watch game. Fair and enough. And I think that things happen more quickly, or they feel like they happen more quickly. If I were going to watch a sport um, that was like they baseball, don't have they don't have like six Super Bowls to decide who wins the Super Bowl. They just have one. And the person who wins it wins the Super Bowl. Okay. You, okay. There's not a World Series of Super Bowls. Let's wait. The World Idiot. Series is great. Stop it. <laughs> Just shut up. Why is it great? Defend your position. Because of the idea that it's not just one dude. You, you can't, it can't be one game and be representative of the team, right? Because then you're, sure. you don't get to use all your best pitchers. Those pitchers don't get to use their proper skill set. Like part of the issue in a single baseball game is that you're going to see one pitcher maybe two or three times. And then you're going to see all these crazy guys coming out of the bullpen. And you're mm-hmm. not used to them. And how you adapt to that as a hitter is really important. But you don't see those starters every time. And so the back and forth is really important. Home field advantage is really important in baseball. So you can't just have one game. That's dumb. there's better tension i like there's a lot of tension now now that i'm trolling the world series you are trolling the world series you jerk um if you want to wait no wait 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 wait. what i have i have a quiz for you 
Oh man, okay. I forgot that you mentioned that we had an activity to go out okay. on. So right. part Sorry. of the fun of, of this book is like they have a lot of uh, charts, and I'm not saying that the charts are fun, um, but they try to infuse humor in some of the charts, and then in some of the other ones, it's just fun to look at uh, funny baseball names, right? Okay. Um, like there's a famous pitcher named Catfish Hunter, which is okay. kind of cool. Yeah. There are two pitchers uh, in baseball currently named Homer Bailey and Grant Balfour, which are both pretty <laughs> excellent, which I okay. think you would enjoy. Uh, so I put together a quiz of, and these aren't all pun names, but they're all pretty good names. Put together a quiz. Is this a baseball player or a jazz musician? <laughs> okay. All right. So I want you to tell me what you think these guys are. All right. Chubby Dean. Jazz. Baseball. Oh, man. Really? Johnny Lush. Jazz. Nope. Baseball. Oh, man. All right. Here's one. Charles Mingus. Uh, he sounds like a baseball guy. Nope. He's a jazz jazz player. <laughs> Joey Pancake. He's baseball. Yes. He's a minor league baseball player. All right. Fats Waller. Jazz. Okay, yes, you've probably heard. You of can't that. be named Fats no. and not be a jazz musician. <laughs> Bunk Johnson. Bunk Johnson. <laughs> Baseball. Uh, no, he's jazz. Oh man. Urban Shocker. He's like a hip hop guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. He's the he's the lost he's member jazz. of Run DMC. No, he's baseball. <laughs> Chicken Wolf. What kind of a name is Chicken Wolf? I'll give you a hint. It's for... a nickname. Is it a baseball player? Yes. Okay. All right. What's his real name? I don't remember. Okay. Chubby Jackson. Jazz. Yes. Correct. You 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 found a good reference point. What's with these like chubby fats? I don't like? know. <laughs> uh, Coco Crisp. Uh, cereal, obviously. Also, yes. Also, baseball. Correct. <laughs> Boof Bonzer. Um, some kind of beef dish. Correct. Okay. And also jazz. Nope. Baseball. Okay. Uh, Wolfgang Muthspiel. A classical composer and also a jazz musician. Yes. Good work. Milton Bradley. A board game magnet and baseball player. Correct. Uh, yeah. Different people and Milton Bradley, the baseball player, is well known for his anger issues. <laughs> he has been really? released by multiple teams for being super like, angry. Like those issues caused by Milton Bradley board games. Correct. Um, <laughs> Cannonball Titcomb. Whoa. Um, that is a porn star and also a jazz musician. No, he's a baseball player. Cannonball Adderley. Um, less successful porno actor. And a jazz musician. He is a jazz musician. And here we go. Pickles Dillhofer. <laughs> um, a gherkin and also a baseball player. He is a baseball player. You did a good right. job. I wasn't keeping track. Uh, How many points do I have? Like 20 runs. You got 20 runs. All right. If you outscored me on Craig's crazy baseball quiz, you can tell us about it by emailing overduepod at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash overduepod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash overduepod. And you can check out all our saber metrics at overduepodcast.com. Just lying. 
we don't have any sabermetrics there. No. We mostly have our back episodes that you can listen to. We have Amazon links to all the books that we read so that you could purchase them, follow along, read ahead. Uh, and if you buy anything to those links, it helps support the show financially. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You can also go to our iTunes page where you could rate or review us. Uh, that helps other people find the show. Um, and you can pass that link along to other people that you might think would like the show. Yeah, uh, come on, guys. Just do Share it. Share it up. Uh, big thanks to anybody who recently started listening. Thanks to uh, our Fifty Shades episode. We got a couple people who joined us then. Um, and if you're back, welcome back. And if you're new, welcome aboard. <laughs> um, I do not know what I'm going to read next week. But yeah, one of the things that we do up on OverduePodcast.com is we we put up the books that we're going to be reading uh, next week and in the week after that. So uh, we are actually recording this one a little ahead of time. So I have not I have not made that call yet. But um, if you're actually listening to it, it's a pretty fair bet that we've got that listing up on the site. So go check it out. And yeah, do recommend us to your friends because that helps us out a lot. And one of the things, one of our podcast resolutions for 2014 is to to grow our listenership a little bit. So Help us out. We we really appreciate it. Uh, Craig, anything else? Baseball. Baseball it is. All right, everybody. Try to be baseball. I mean, happy. I baked bread yesterday. You've been talking about it. Like, what? Why did you make bread? You know, you can just go buy bread, right? Do you realize how stressed I was this week? <laughs> the idea of punching future food and then, like, letting it sit for hours while I couldn't do anything else but just had to relax. That was great. Forced relaxation? I'd bullied myself into relaxing. You were relaxing under duress. Basically, I allowed yeast to hold me hostage for four hours. See, like, I've not made a lot of bread, but my experience has been that it is not a reducer of stress. I enjoyed it. I'm just worried I'm going to make pizza dough soon. Okay. Because I want to start making pizza. We have a pizza stone. We don't have have a pizza stone, but we want to make pizza pizza flipper. Okay. And we've had them for a number of years. <laughs> okay, now I even tell have, me what a pizza I've, flipper is. It's the paddle, you know, that you... you pizza paddle. Okay, you yeah, should have said that. you paddle it onto the stone. It's, Great. It, well, I mean, it's not a flipper because you don't flip it. I was going to say, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like you could flip it if you wanted. I guess. Or you could use it for spankings. Wait. Um... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>